Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Lost Islamic History podcast. Today we're going to talk about one of the most devastating events in Islamic history. We're going to be talking about the final expulsion of Muslims from the Iberian Peninsula. Now, as you may know, from the early 700s, Spain was actually a Muslim country known as El Andalus. At its height in the 900s and 1000s, there were over 6 million Muslims in Spain, which made up about 80% of the population. Cordoba was the cultural and intellectual capital of Europe, and it was in El Andalus. In this society, Muslims, Christians, Jews, all lived together in harmony. In fact, the Jews had their golden age of intellectual activity during El Andalus's rule. Now, from the 1000s, however, a movement known as the Reconquista began. The Reconquista was was a Christian conquest of El Andalus from Muslims that began in the north. So whenever there were periods of Muslim disunity, the Christians of the north took advantage of the situation and would capture Muslim cities one by one. And by the 1300s, only Granada, a principality or emirate in the far south, was left. In the year 1492, however, even Granada fell to King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella of Spain. Political authority was gone, but there were still many, many civilians living all throughout Spain. And the Spanish knew that, that they could not kick them all out right away. The Jews, on the other hand, were not so lucky. They were all immediately exiled from Spain and Portugal. Uh, in fact, Ottoman Sultan Bayezid II sent his navy over to Spain to rescue these Jews, who were then brought to Istanbul and other parts of the Ottoman Empire. The Spanish knew that they could not do the same thing with the Muslims. There were simply too many of them, and they were still too powerful. So what they figured they are going to do is try to bribe the Muslims into converting to Catholicism. So they would promise any Muslim that converted to Islam that they can get lots of nice gold and houses and wealth and all kinds of different things that people would want at that time. And the Muslim response was that they were going to convert. However, these conversions were completely fake because they would convert, they would get you know a certain amount of gold, and then the next day they would go right back to the masjid and keep practicing Islam. It was all fake conversions in order to get gifts out of the Spanish government. Late in the 1400s, in the year 1499, the Spanish king and queen, Ferdinand and Isabella, appointed Cardinal Francisco Jimenez de Cesernos to take a more radical approach to speed up the conversion process of the Muslims. So what de Cesernos did was he decided to constantly harass the Muslims. They were tortured, they were arbitrarily sent to jail, their books were all burned. And actually, that's why it's so difficult to understand what happened during Al Andalus's history, because many of the books that we would use normally to study Al Andalus were burned by Cardinal Francisco Jimenez de Cesernos. Now, the Muslim response to this was to revolt. And that was actually the purpose of the harassment from de Cesernos to begin with. He was hoping that if he harassed the Muslims enough, they were going to revolt. And then when they revolt, he can call in the Spanish military to violently suppress the rebellion. And that's exactly what happened in the early 1500s. After the rebellions throughout Spain were suppressed, the Spanish gave the Muslims two options. You either convert to Christianity or you die. Most Muslims at this point decided to convert, but they only did so publicly. They still held on to Islam 
secretly. Now, life was very difficult for these secret Muslims. Of course, the Spanish still suspected these people of holding on to their Islamic beliefs. So they would make sure that they could keep their eyes on them at all times. So for example, if you were suspected of being Muslim, the door to your home had to be opened at all times so that any guards or soldiers walking by can peek inside your house and see if you were praying or if you were reading Quran or if you were doing anything Islamic. If you were caught, you were killed immediately. There was no trial. There was nothing of that sort. There were no rights, no freedom of religion whatsoever. And yet, these Muslims continued to practice Islam in private. Of course, in public, they pretended to be Christian. They would go to the church, they would worship Jesus and do all these different kinds of things. But in reality, they were still practicing Islam at home when no one was looking. This continued throughout the 1500s. And these former Muslims were known as Moriscos by the Spaniards. Now, the Spaniards, of course, still suspected that these Moriscos were actually Muslim. And they were correct in their suspicion. So, a hundred years after the fall of Granada, in the year 1609, King Philip III of Spain signed an edict which gave all Moriscos three days to leave Spain. Those who did not leave would be killed. So this was a huge blow to the Muslim community which was still in hiding in Spain. There were still tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Muslims left in Spain. But now anyone who had come from a Muslim family, even if it had been your great-great-great-grandfather who was the last open Muslim, everyone was kicked out. Many Muslims took the opportunity right now to come out of hiding and practice Islam in public for the first time in over a hundred years. So now, for the first time since the late 1400s, you could hear the Adan vibrating throughout Spain because Muslims now were saying, all right, if you're going to kick us out anyways, we're going to practice our religion on the way out. On their way to the port cities where they would board ships that would take them to Africa, Muslims were harassed the entire way, both by Christians and by the soldiers of King Philip and by anyone who could stand to make any kind of money off of harassing these Muslims. For example, many Christian ship owners, they would offer to take payment from Muslims to deliver them to Africa because they would need to go to North Africa to places like Morocco and Algeria in order to find some kind of protection. So Christian ship owners would say, yeah, we'll take you over there. Just give us a certain amount of money. And they would take them midway, dump them overboard and keep their money. This type of harassment was normal. So unfortunately, over the next three years, the remaining Moriscos were all rooted out and either killed or forced over to North Africa. And by the year 1614, not a single Morisco was left in Spain. So you're going from a population of Muslims in the year 1492 of over 500,000 to zero just over 100 years later. This can only be described as a genocide. In fact, one Portuguese monk at that time called it an agreeable holocaust. He figured that this was a bad thing to do to people, but it was necessary in order to purify Spain from the Muslims. Now, when it came to North Africa, these Muslim refugees strained the economy big time. The African kings were very, very happy to take on these Muslim refugees that were coming, but it really hurt their local economies. And these Spanish Muslims now were forced to found their own towns and neighborhoods because they could not go into the existing cities and just assimilate into the local economy. 
And even today, if you go to certain parts of large North African cities like Algiers and Wahran, there are neighborhoods that are still inhabited by the descendants of these Moriscos, where the Spanish Muslim culture of Al-Andalus continues to live on. So that wraps it up for this episode of Lost Islamic History. As a reminder, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube so you can catch the latest podcasts. We are also now on iTunes, so search Lost Islamic History on iTunes and make sure you subscribe there. And visit lostislamichistory.com. Assalamu